Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to by the word of their testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning into the program today. I'm delighted to have your company and in the studio I have a very special guest. Her name is Ruth Macquara. Ruth, am I saying your surname correctly? Yes, you are. Great. It's lovely to have you here in the studio. Now, I met Ruth at a prayer conference not too long ago, and we happened to be in a smaller group. We were all praying together for a specific uh, aspect of the conference. And after listening to Ruth's prayer, I thought I have to invite you because no one can pray like that unless they walk with the Lord. So <laughs> it was a pleasure to meet you at the conference, and I'm very delighted that you could come into the studio here today to share your testimony. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. Great. Wonderful. Now, Ruth, maybe we could just start. Uh, people won't be able to pick up on your accent because I don't really hear an accent mostly. And uh, could you tell us where you're from? Um, I was born in Zimbabwe, and so I'm from there and moved to Australia when I was seven years old. Seven years old. Okay. Yeah. So what are you currently doing in Australia? Um, currently, I am a student at Avondale College, and I'm studying a double special specialization in psychology and counseling. Psychology and counseling? Yes. Wow, okay, that sounds fascinating. So what made you be interested in counseling and psychology? Um, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished year 12. It was more law or medicine, but um, I just had to go down the law path. And so I was at Newcastle University and I was doing some politics subject and I picked up psychology as a minor and in doing that, I just found it very fascinating. And mm. I love to listen to people. So that's mainly what counseling is and just being there for them. And so, yeah, I decided to drop the law aspect and just focus on psychology. But Newcastle didn't have a counseling undergrad degree. So I decided to move to Avondale, where there was both psychology and counseling, and I could finish them both at once. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, that sounds very good. Yeah. Now, uh, I've had a little bit of discussion with you. You're obviously a, a people's person. You like talking to people and interacting. So I'm not surprised that you want to help people and listen to their challenges and then provide solutions. Hopefully you'll help them find solutions for their, for their lives. Exactly. I just I think that it is so important for people to have somebody that they can speak to with no judgment. And if I'm able to do that as a job, well, it's... It's a blessing. And it's a blessing, yeah. yeah. So, well, they say if you enjoy what you do, you will never work a day in your life. Exactly. It won't feel like a job. <laughs> so let's hope that that continues and I don't change my mind. <laughs> okay, fantastic. <laughs> well, let's maybe step right back now to where you were born. You said you were born in Zimbabwe. Can you tell us a little bit about Zimbabwe, your upbringing and the influences, you know, family influences, Christian influences and so forth? Yeah, for sure. Um, so... As I said, I was born in Zimbabwe and um, I'm an only child and my mum in our family 
is a strong Seventh-day Adventist as she was, she's a third generation or fourth generation Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. But um, my dad was different Christian. I can't quite remember what it was because it's just in Zimbabwe. Okay. And so in meeting my mom, yeah, he decided that this was the truth and... So your mom was giving him Bible studies or, yeah. how did he, or did he get Bible studies at the church? How did he, do you um, remember how he became an Adventist or was he an Adventist when you were born? When I was born, yes, he was an Adventist. But before then, him and my mom would have debates or, yeah, debates mm. about which was the true day to go to church. And um, my dad, my dad. Oh, was it my? I think it was my mum who said to my dad, "If you can read the whole Bible and show me where it says um, that Sunday is the day, then I will change from Sabbath to Sunday." And so mm. my dad read the whole Bible and couldn't find it. And in reading the Bible, he realized what my mum was saying was the truth. And so he decided to be baptized into the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and I was brought up in that. And so I had two great influences who loved the Bible and loved God, and just. Yeah, my it was it was great childhood to be brought up in. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So you had very positive influences and very positive role models in your parents who yeah, were definitely. devout Christians and devout uh, Bible students, mm-hmm. and were some of the Adventist Christians. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And yeah, it was it was great. I and remember just growing up, um, memorizing different verses, but. I can't remember those now. It's <laughs> okay. like, okay, I need to get back into that. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Okay, so you you have uh, good influences with your parents. Uh, the rest of your family, were they also Christian? Um, yes, they're all different denominations of Christianity. Mm. Mostly my mum's side is where more of the Seventh-day Adventists were. And so that was really great, going to church with my cousins and just always Friday night was the best, just opening Sabbath and singing together. Our families are very So there were family sing. traditions on a Friday night? You would yeah. all get together and you'd have an opening Sabbath and that? Yeah. which What was that like? Honestly, it was some of my best memories, just being able to wind down and mm. know that for the next 24 hours is just going to be family, friends and spending time with God, whatever we were doing, whether it was Pathfinders, Adventurers, or going to the park, or just sitting at home and eating and fellowshipping. So that was... Special times and special memories. Definitely, definitely. Mm. And so I really enjoyed that. And my dad's side, they weren't Adventists, but if I'd go visit them, go to the churches that they went to, and that was also great. And so... I was very blessed that my family is very Christ orientated, mm-hmm. no matter which domina- denomination it is. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, generally speaking, within the Zimbabwean culture, mm-hmm. is there a Christianity quite a prominent and does it play quite a prominent role usually? Um, from the experiences that I've had, I think it's very prominent. Mm. Everyone has some form of religion that they follow, and majority is Christian. So, and yeah, it does play a big role and influences how people treat each other and things yeah. like that. Because yeah. just about every person I've met from Zimbabwe, just about, mm-hmm. uh, has had some form of religion or Christianity, you know, that they practice. And it's many devout people I've met that come from Zimbabwe. So just, that's the reason for my question. Yeah, no, definitely. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, you, did you start going to school before you left Zimbabwe? Um, yes, I was in grade Three, which 
is yet two. Year two over yeah, here? Okay. Year two. And so I was doing that. And then when I came to Australia, they decided to move me up a year just because of where I was academically. So I was like, oh, I am smart after all. <laughs> Don't know <laughs> okay. if that's lasted, yeah. but you know. <laughs> okay, so the standard of education was fairly high in Zimbabwe. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was some of the things that I had, like long division, I knew that in grade three, but when I was here, I didn't really go into it until we were in year seven. And so I was like, wow, okay. But I think what they were teaching there and what they were teaching here, it all meets up in year 10. And Mm. then the senior years, it's where it's fairly similar. Yeah. So your parents decide to pack up and move to Australia? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was the political struggle that was happening there. My parents thought that I wouldn't have, well, would have a future, but I wouldn't be able to study what I wanted and just the different struggles there would be hard for me. Mm. And so as loving parents, they wanted to make my life as easy as possible. Okay, fantastic. And so my mum, as a nurse, she applied overseas um, and she got, Australia in Corindai, which is in New South Wales somewhere. Yes. Yeah. And in so near Tamworth. Near Tamworth. Yeah. yeah. About and 80 kilometers or something, I think, roughly. Yeah. So mm. it's, they're very close together. And she moved here in July. And my father and I followed in November of the same year. Right. Okay. Yeah. And as a child, was it a, a new adventure to go to another country or you're sad to leave your family? How did you feel when you guys moved? Um, It was a bit of both Mm. because I always had my cousins around me always and so living them and not being able to see them on a constant basis daily um, it was hard but it was also very exciting coming to a different country I had grown up watching Skippy the bush kangaroo and so from that and coming over it was just so exciting to be able to see the kangaroos for real and Mm. yeah it was a different lifestyle and yeah so it was it was exciting and sad at the same time okay i can understand that sure so you come over here to australia quite a different culture and that Mm. Um, how did you find adapting to the the changes because i mean all the family now pretty much over in in zimbabwe you're only here with your mum and dad um we were very fortunate that where we moved next door there was a young family and they had two younger boys and so from the day we moved, they were away, but about a month later they came back from holidays and our families just instantly became really close. And so they took me around Sydney when they'd gone holidays, I'd go with them and they became my second family and then their family also became our family. And so that helped a lot because, wow. you know, from coming from a big family, my parents both come from big families mm. and so it was really good to be able to have those people in our lives and Lovely. so so were they australian or were they from overseas as well no they were australian so okay. it was australian hospitality yeah oh, it was wonderful. really really good and we're like god placed us here and mm. with this family and so we're still very close and they just really amazing okay wonderful yeah. now were they christian people themselves or were they just uh, secular australians um yeah there were Christian as well. They had Christian. Christian beliefs? Yeah. That's Hmm. a better way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So you come here, uh, 
life's a little bit different, mm-hmm. but you guys seem to adapt very quickly because you make good, close connections with your neighbors yep. and then also their family. Um, any negative influences at that time? I mean, things that may be a distraction because you obviously come from a, a good Christian background mm-hmm. and you're used to opening the Sabbath and you have very beautiful memories of that. Uh, anything that may have impacted your life negatively at the time or things you had to say, no, I don't want to do that? Um, I think what was hardest was when I came to Korea, I went to a Catholic school, which was great, but my friends weren't Seventh-day Adventists, and so they always wanted to do things on Sabbath. Mm. And so that was very hard for me because I would have to say, no, I cannot do it because this, this, and this. And because we're all young, were like eight, nine, ten. It was very hard for them to understand why I couldn't do it. Right. And so that became an issue at home. I'd always be asking my parents, and they'll be like, "No, you know why?" And there's a Bible verse in Isaiah that says about keeping the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. And so they would always quote that to me, and I'd be like, "Okay, I see. I can't actually. Yeah, that makes sense. Why I can't do what those things." Mm. And so. That was hard, but after did, a while they started to understand. Sure. Yeah. And did that take any of the joy of your experience, you know, being a Christian um, out from your life at that time, you know, that you were restricted in regards to what you wanted to do, perhaps with your friends, mm-hmm. and you were very young, and what your parents actually uh, allowed you to do? Um, yes, I think it definitely did, just because in Zimbabwe there was a huge group of children always at church but mm. when I was in Krindai I was the only child there okay. and so that became hard because I would want to be around people my own age but there was none at church and so and I wanted to be with my friends not at church and so it just it became a struggle and um Sometimes going to church was a little bit of a chore instead of, oh, I really want to go, but it was because I have to go. But I'm grateful that my parents were very strict on that because it influenced me a lot later on in life. Okay. Yeah. Right. right. So growing up, you're going through school. Um, are there any secular influences during the school time? And how did that shape your life at those er- during those early years? Um, I think there was definitely secular influences just with the type of music and movies that I watched and um, also dress and different foods as well. Food was a big issue because we have some things that we can eat and then some things that we've been deemed not clean for us to eat. And so... So you're talking about clean and unclean meat. So, for example, we say clean meat is like lamb Mm -hmm. or beef or chicken and so on. Yeah. And we see the first time the clean and unclean is mentioned is in Genesis. Yeah. Early on in Genesis, Mm -hmm. where this is even before the, you know, Moses receives the law from God. Yeah. Where there's uh, clean and unclean animals that are taken into Noah's Ark. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. And our, our diet basically is based on what the Bible describes as food that God's given for us to be received with thanksgiving and it's sanctified by the word, which means the word of God is set aside for food. Mm-hmm. But there's certain foods we don't eat. And some people obviously aren't aware of that, so they just eat whatever. Yes, exactly. So that was a little bit of a challenge when you're out with your friends. Yes, definitely. Especially if I would go over to a friend's house for lunch or dinner and they would have all these different foods there and I could only eat a small portion of it. But the parents understood after a while. They'd be like, oh, that's fair enough. And... 
after that, they started to cater to my needs as well, which really? I was very grateful for. Very nice. And so that was oh, well good. done, Australia. So there's yeah. some good hospitality that oh, Australia's hundred <laughs> percent. I was like, thank you. And so that that was one of the bigger challenges because even the unclean foods. Um, they all looked very appetizing and smell good. So Yeah, they do smell good. Yeah, times, I'd yeah. want to eat, but I'm like, oh, you know, because of my beliefs. and So even at a young age, you were faithful to your beliefs and practices that you, you've been raised with? Oh, definitely. I think because from a very young age, it was instilled in me. And because of that, it just stayed with me throughout life. So, mm. yeah, which was really good. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Right, so you, you go through school, uh, you graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can just fill us in um, how, how you start then to go into university and the influences there possibly. Yeah, definitely. So at this time in high school, I feel like my relationship with God wasn't quite as strong one. It was more, it was my parents' faith and I was just living because I was their child. So mm. I was just living their faith. And so that was your family tradition and family culture that yeah. you were living according to. Obviously, some benefits from it. Yeah, and you 100%. adhered to the principles, mm-hmm. but it wasn't your own. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. And mm. so moving away from home and going to Newcastle where I was by myself and could do whatever I wanted, um, there was a time where I feel like I wasn't as spiritually strong or that relationship with God wasn't quite there. And so it was very easy for me to be influenced by the people around me in the things that we did. And um, it negatively impacted my life. And so, um, yeah, but through that, because I went to church every Sabbath, I think there was one week where I didn't go and my week just felt really not good. Mm. So I found a church close by. Actually, it wasn't close by. It was all the way at Gateway Church, which is at the Avondale School. Right. Because my friends went there. And Mm. so I would travel every Sabbath and come to Gateway. Just it was still a routine instead of a like a Sure, I understand. Yeah. But it was that just, it was like a one day a week kind of a Christian experience and the rest of the time you were in your studies and involved with secular things? Yeah, exactly, mm. pretty it's much. It's quite common, you know, when people have been brought up quite strictly, I guess, or mm-hmm. relatively strictly. Um, then all of a sudden they can spread their wings. There's no one there to sort of, you know, look over them anymore. They pretty can take much. personal responsibility. And some people can get pretty wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is true. I wouldn't say I got very wild. No, but I'm not suggesting you did, but yeah, yeah but it's it's common for that to happen. Yeah, it, it definitely yeah. is. But I, I just think the teachings that my parents taught me through everything, there would be a time when my friends would invite me to do different things and I'd want to say yes, but because I didn't want to let my parents down and because I I had a relationship with God, but it wasn't strong, the Holy mm. Spirit would be like, are you sure you want to do that? And so it kind of stopped me from going too far down the circular well, praise path. Praise the Lord. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, so there was like a, um, you were sort of hedged in somewhat, although there were yeah. some secular influences and maybe some participation, mm-hmm. you would go so far and no further. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I, my mom, she always prayed for me. And I think that definitely is what kept me kept me safe and not terrible things happen as we see on the news different things happen to people and so i was like i'm very thankful for that and so i would travel to gateway and 
the relationships I built there were great and Priscilla was our youth um, pastor there and so she was looking for leaders and I just decided to join in and so because of that I think that kept me accountable for to a certain degree of what I would do and the different things I would post online and so that definitely influenced me to which later on strengthened my walk with God which I'm very thankful for Mm. yeah praise the Lord Mm -hmm. so you you have these moments where you think, okay, if I go down that path, my parents won't approve. I might disappoint them, mm-hmm. but maybe I'll feel guilty as well. So I'd rather not do it. But you feel there's the Holy Spirit already working in your life. There. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And you only had skipped one Sabbath and that felt horrible. Yeah. So I decided you're going to keep on going and find a church. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, your life must change at some point mm-hmm. in time. It sounds like generally speaking, you've had a good life. Yeah. Good influences. And it's been a safe life. Um, where does the change start taking place? Um, I think it was end of 2016. I was still at Newcastle University. And I just remember one of my friends had a birthday. And so we all went together to their place and were just enjoying the time. And I just had this feeling because we'd always go to different gatherings and celebrations. And I was sitting there and just I was looking around and I kind of was like, this is not the life that my parents brought me up to be always doing this kind of thing. Mm. And um, I just got up and left. And I wow. just, those kind of gatherings just no longer. They lost their appeal? Yeah. And I just didn't want to be a part of that. And so I just got up and left. And that was when I started to want to do counselling. And then I realized that Newcastle didn't have it. And I looked at Avondale and then 2017, Mm. I moved to Avondale. And so I think at the end of 2016 was when the biggest change happened. And it was just, I think it was divine intervention that kind of was like, this isn't the life that you want to live if you continue down this path. And so your parents raised you up differently and you know this. And so that just came over me and all those circular things just lost their appeal and I just didn't want to do them anymore Mm. and I decided well it didn't have counseling and also being at Newcastle wasn't very spiritually uplifting or I wasn't progressing spiritually I was at a standstill and so that's when I moved to Avondale and I think it was the best move I ever did so okay but there was something that happened during your experiences through either observation or I guess through um, communication you know Mm -hmm. conversations that you had that made you think I should be able to help people with counseling and that. Was it what you were seeing in your friends mm-hmm. or, you know, the secular influences and what they were got up to to think, well, these people need some help? Yeah. <laughs> or was it just people were coming to you with questions and conversations, just having challenges in their life, whether it be relational challenges or emotional challenges? Mm-hmm. What, what was it specifically? Um, I think it was definitely seeing some of the things that my friends were going through and just um, they didn't have an outlet and they'd been going – to psychologists, which were really great, but they just didn't quite help them in the way that they wanted. It was all more um, science based instead of being very relational. Okay. And so as much as I love psychology and I think it is very good, I also think that sometimes it lacks in that relational kind of um, relationships with people. Mm. And so um, 
I decided that I wanted to add that into my career so then sure. I can have that to help people. And psychology in general, would you say it's quite a secular discipline, the way it's taught? taught? So in other words, it's, there's, it doesn't really connect people back to God as such? No, definitely not. I In studying psychology, I haven't had that correlation between God and the treatments that they do. But in coming into counselling, um, some of the therapies that we learn, there's Christian-centred therapies, mm. which as a Christian, that's very good because I want to be able to, when I'm dealing with clients, be able to bring that Christianity in because I believe that... Um, God in any situation is able to help and I want to be able to bring that to my clients and be like can I pray for you can I share this bible verse it might be able to help you as well as whatever else we're doing and so I want to make God a center of everything I do my work my life everything so Mm. yeah wow counseling help that yeah fantastic Mm. so those sentiments you just experienced are wonderful that you can help people you know and in a sense it's actually like a missionary kind of a an yeah, outreach in, exactly. in, in a sense, you know. Um, but those sentiments you're expressing now, were they the early sentiments when you started making that change? Is that what you had in your mind or is that sort of something that's been growing and developing in your in your? Thinking? I think the, the missionary focus, as you said, that's a perfect way to put it, is just something that has always been in my heart. Okay. I've always wanted to help people in whatever way that I can. And so I think when it, the counselling came up, that was my passion coming together. And so I was passion and job together is perfect. Like you said, it won't be a job. It'll be just something that I love doing. And so, yeah. Hmm, okay. Hmm. Fantastic. Well, look, we're just going to take a break here. Yeah. Dear listener, you are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. And my special guest in the studio is Ruth Macquara. And Ruth is just sharing her life journey where she brought up in Zimbabwe and then her family moved over to Australia. And she had a very positive experience, although it was a very different culture, mm-hmm. um, in, in that time that she was over here with her family. And then from there, she's talking about her transition into studying law and then into psychology mm-hmm. and then specifically now majoring in counseling. Yes. And how the Lord has led her in her pursuit of wanting to help others, but also help people make that connection between the one who gave them life and the one who seeks their happiness in their lives as well, who is God, our creator. So we're just going to take a short break and we'll be right back after these messages. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you made a habit of being grateful? Gratitude actually has measurable health benefits. For example, adults who keep gratitude journals on a regular basis exercise more regularly, they report fewer illness symptoms, feel better about their lives as a whole, and are more optimistic about the future. Gratitude is actually a science, and it's also ancient wisdom, having way over 100 mentions in the Bible. And there's a lot to be thankful for. Albert Einstein admitted that he needed to remind himself a hundred times a day that his inner and outer life depended on the labours of other people, living and dead. So cultivate gratitude. It makes a difference. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. And in the studio here at Morissette, my special guest today is Ruth Macquara. Now, Ruth, just before the break, you were sharing about your life experience and your life journey. Mm -hmm. 
how you uh, went into studying law and then psychology, and now you've added to that counseling. Mm -hmm. One thing we hadn't mentioned yet, because obviously uh, you'd be into your late teens now, if not early 20s. Yes. Um, When were you baptized? Um, I was baptized when I was 15, which was great. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I was baptized at the age of 15 as well. So what made you make that decision at the time? Um, I At my church, at Tamworth Church, I had great influences in my life. Uh, pastor James Venegas was the pastor at the time. And um, two, I guess, people that took supper school for me were Laurie Tiller and David Atchison, and they just were amazing. And so doing Sabbath school with them and then putting so much time into me really helped me grow Mm. in Christ. And so one day Pastor James was just like, hey, Ruth, do you want to be baptized? And I was like, actually, yeah, why not? Let me just start this journey and cement my faith and life to Christ. And Mm. yeah, let's do that. And so... That was okay. So at the age of fifteen, yeah. And uh, when you made the commitment, obviously you were sincere. It mm-hmm. felt like that was the natural progression of things to do. Yeah. Um, how was your walk with the Lord subsequent to that? Um, for the first couple of months, it was great after okay. the baptism. But I feel, even though I was so sincere, I just afterwards I just went back to being the same person that I was beforehand. Okay, and so. It just went to a standstill. I wasn't moving forward. Maybe I was regressing back to my old ways. It just, it wasn't moving forward. And so um, that was very evident as I continued, like I was talking when I was at Newcastle. Um, Mm. I wasn't moving forward in my faith. But um, in 2015, my mum went to a Rise Express. And she... What's a Rise Express? Maybe you can just tell our listener out there what that is. Yes. Um, Arise Express is a Bible boot camp, which you just go... Bible boot camp? Yeah. Sounds interesting. It, it was very interesting. A lot of information. Um, it goes through the very fundamental beliefs of what we as Seventh-day Adventists believe. So going mm. through Daniel, Revelation, um, creation, the century, and... Yeah, so going through those topics. So the and pillars a few of more. your faith, basically. Yes, yeah. okay. yes. And so it goes through that and teaches us how to give people Bible studies on that. And also, um, they also include door knocking just to stretch us out of our oh, comfort so zones. So you go in like a cold call, basically. Yes. Yeah, um, so how did you find that? Um, for the first week, I was very against it and did not want to do it. Okay. And, but then the second week, I started to relax and I was like, let me make the most of this. Mm. And so I enjoyed it afterwards. And my partner, who I give great credit to because I can be very stubborn and wasn't very welcoming to during the first week and didn't want to do it. But afterwards, it started going really smoothly. Okay. So that was good. So you were going two by two, basically. So your other partner that you were yeah. going out to the doors, yeah. Yeah. So that was really that was really good, and so I went to Arise this year, but my mom in maybe it was 2017, sorry, not 2016, and so she went, and during that whole time she was like, Ruth, you need to go, but I was very very against it because I just didn't want to do door knocking. That mm. was my main reason I didn't want to go. Sure. But um, 
Then my boyfriend also went with the same year that my mum went and he was like, it'll be really good for you and it'll grow your relationship with God. And they also help you with cementing good routines such as praying and daily devotion. Mm, which is very important. Which is extremely important. Mm. And No relationship can survive without communication and prayer is our communication to God. And exactly. of course devotion is yeah. God speaking to us through his word and prompting us through the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm really glad that both my mom and my boyfriend pushed me to do this because it was an experience that if I could, well, I can redo it. But if I have time next year, I would 100% go back. I learned so much. Even though I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist, there was just some things that um, maybe because I was in the faith that I took for granted and didn't Mm. really look into that much or... I didn't understand fully. And so going to Arise this year was just an absolute blessing. And Mm. I learned a lot and my prayer life has become better and my devotion life as well. And it's now my own faith and no longer my parents' faith. Praise the Lord. Which is really amazing. And I, growing up during, while I was at university, a few things happened, but, um, There's a verse in Job chapter 23, verse 10 to 12, which is one of my absolute favorite verses. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, um, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary for food. Wow. And so that became more prominent when I was at Arise. It just became, it just hit home. Mm. And that despite not, following God, well, following him, but not being as close. Um, And through the trials and little things that happened, I came forward as gold and that I'm now able to leave that life behind me and still use it to be able to help other people. But um, now it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Mm. so Arise just cemented that and it was it was a really amazing experience. And if anybody is listening and would love to go, I definitely recommend it. There's a three-month program that happens as well, but the two-week was what I could do, and it was really, really good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you can do a three-month program through Arise, which yep. is up in northern New South Wales at Kingscliff. Yes, correct. And it's a, it's a living residential kind of a thing for, for three months, so mm-hmm. about 14 weeks, something like that. Or you can take the express, which yes. is a boot camp yes. of two weeks, and it starts, I guess, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning, does it? And then goes through till about probably 8 or 9 o'clock at night, does it? Yeah, it starts <laughs> 9 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. Okay. Those are the longest days of my life. And I was like, I don't know how anybody can do this. I go to college for two hours a day, and I'm already tired. So yeah. it was... Very well, the Lord must sustain you and give you the strength because it does sound like a full time, but you're espousing all the positives of it. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And you want to go back, so it couldn't have been all bad. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't all bad. It was It mm. was really good. And, yeah, so that time, those two weeks that arise just really helped grow my faith and mm. my passion. I love working with youth and teens as well. Yes. And so at Gateway, I was a youth leader last year and the year before that. But this year I've decided to 
work with the teens because our church is the sister church of Avondale High School. And so mm. we want to reach those kids there who don't necessarily have a faith or religion, Christ, Christian religion yes. background. And so we want to get in contact with them and just start having Bible studies with them and building relationships. And mm. so, so the Lord has laid it on your heart not only to be a counselor, which obviously is an aspect of that, mm-hmm. but to actually work for these young people to connect them with the Lord because you've experienced the joy of connecting with God. Oh, yes, 100%. And it's something you can't hold to yourself. You've got to share it with others. Exactly. And mm. I think as you're saying that, it reminds me, when I was first baptized, I remember saying, people saying that you'll just want to spread it to everybody around mm. you. It'll just be oozing out of you. But I didn't really have that. Yes. But now I have that and I just want to share it with everybody. And um, each morning if I when I do my daily morning prayer, I always ask that God um, give me a divine appointment so that if I'm walking down the street, if there's somebody that I should speak to or anything like that, then... I know to listen to the spirit as they lead me to that person. And so mm. it's it's now just become part of my life. It's my identity. My identity is now in Christ and okay. not just Amen. God was just somebody there. Well, there's so. a joy oozing out of you. I can see as you're just talking about that, I can see that joy and enthusiasm in your eyes. Yeah. And you were mentioning even just during the break, and you just touched on it before, the difference because when you were baptized, you mm-hmm. spoke about baptism. I don't know there's a word you used. You said, I was baptized, but it was not real baptism. I don't know what you meant by that, but yeah. maybe you can explain that just a little bit compared to your mm-hmm. relationship with the Lord now. Mm-hmm. And then back at 15, you were sincere. You did yep. what you felt was right to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no insincerity there, but the baptism wasn't quite what you thought it would have been, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I was baptized, at the time I was on fire for God because I got baptized and things like that. But I feel like I was baptized and buried alive but didn't quite resurrect into the new life of okay, having so the Holy Spirit in me. Right. So this was part of your journey with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is baptism represents burial, mm-hmm. death, burial, and then resurrection. Yes. And this is all about us reconciling ourselves to the the, the death of Christ mm-hmm. and also the newness of life we receive for him. Yes. And at the time when you were baptized, you didn't experience that no. transformation. It was business as usual, although enthusiastic, mm-hmm. but business as usual and no change in life. Yeah. You know, I was baptized at the same age as you, and I have to say this exactly what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was buried alive as well, and there was no transformation of life. Mm-hmm. Uh I loved the Lord as much as I was capable at the time, but I was a secular Christian. I had a lot yeah. of worldly influences, mm-hmm. and I would come to church, I would pray and that, probably say a quick little prayer during the day or pray for our food, say grace. Yep. But apart from that, I was not a lot different from other people who didn't really have a faith. That That is exactly what my life was. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, isn't it amazing that you identified that? Mm-hmm. And you're just talking about how wonderful Arise Express was. And now, you know, your relationship with the Lord is better because the communication is better. Yes, definitely. And I think that's based on understanding who God is. Just because mm. growing up with all the horrible things that are happening, I was like, God, you can stop it at any time that you want. And I guess I didn't quite understand why He is letting the devil be able to do what he's doing at right. the moment but and arise express helped you ex- understand that yes a hundred percent um mm. 
Because these are some big questions that people wrestle with, you know. And some yeah. people will walk away from the law because it doesn't make sense to them. Mm-hmm. So if they go to Arise Express, some of these questions will be answered for them? Oh, yes, 100%. And okay. my family and different pastors that have been to Tamworth or that I've interacted with can attest that these were questions that I was constantly asking. Even though they would give me an answer, it wasn't an answer that really answered it fully. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But then I'd ask the questions again. But at Arise, um, it made sense to me. And Mm. I'm so thankful for that because now that it makes sense to me, I'm like, actually, this is a God I want to serve. This is a God who I want to love and I want to share his message with everybody. And I'm not ashamed to do so because I now fully understand, well, Mm. not fully understand him, but understand as much as I can why this is happening. and. But we can learn more and more about God and what he's like. You know, exactly. so it's a constant revelation. It's exhaustless. But yeah. the more we see of him and the more we see the beauty of his character, the more we want to serve him and worship him and follow him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Bible says, I think it's First John chapter 4, where it says that, uh, that we love God because he first loved us. Exactly. And it's the demonstration of his love. We can see that. But, you know, there's a text first. No, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says that the, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men so they cannot see mm-hmm. and they cannot understand or comprehend what God is really like. So God needs to work through that, take mm-hmm. those blinders away so we can get a revelation of what God's really like. Exactly. And uh, it's the apostle Paul that says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 that it is the goodness of God, God's goodness, mm-hmm. that leads us to repentance. And, of course, ultimately that's what happens when we meet God. Yes. We're confronted with his purity, his holiness, his goodness, his incredible love for us, self-sacrificing love, which we by nature don't really have. Mm-hmm. Although we can see it demonstrated in the love of a parent, for example, for their child, that they'll be prepared to lay down their life for them. Yeah. That, I guess, is a demonstration in sorts. But Jesus demonstrated the love of God by dying for us while we were yet ungodly, the Bible says, you know, yeah. while we were still sinners and that we were reconciled to God while we were still enemies. So regardless of why we were bad or evil or we had an enmity towards God, we see God's love demonstrated to us in spite of ourselves. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And when you realize that and you fully understand it and make it your own, it's just an awesome feeling because you're like, I don't deserve this love, but yet Mm. he chooses to love me. And that's just amazing. And so, yeah, I was like, Thank you, Arise. So, <laughs> to those who organize Arise, thank you. Um, yeah, we didn't mean it to be a plug for Arise, but yeah. why not? If it's such a good program, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, but, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, if you look at your life now, because we're just talking about something that happened in the last few months. Yeah. Yeah, versus your life before that. Is it? Can you contrast that? Can you put it in words? It is very different. <laughs> I, um, recently, I went to my friend's birthday from Newcastle, the friends that I had there. And they, one of them was like, wow, Ruth, something's very different about you. Um, Mm. I just, maybe it's because we haven't seen you in a while or, but there's something different about you. And I was like, you know, God does that to you. He just makes you into a new person. You know, I die of self and let him live in me. Okay. How often do you have to do that? Daily. <laughs> <laughs> right, I like just, the rest of us, we've got to do a daily, yes. Daily, because, yeah, without him, I would, I would just go back to my old ways. And 
now that I see how much better life is with him, I cannot comprehend going backwards. I just don't. There is no desire in me to do those things anymore or mm. to live that kind of life because this life is so much better. And I just, yeah, really grateful for that. Yeah. Now, what a privilege that we have to be connected with God. You know, people will boast about who they know that's famous or mm-hmm. who they know that's wealthy or who they know that's a movie star or, you know. But here we have the king of kings, the creator of the universe, who is incredibly powerful. They can just speak things that into existence. I mean, yeah. the material doesn't even have to be there, and he can speak it. He upholds the whole world by the word of his power, the Bible mm-hmm. tells us. And he wants to have a personal relationship with us, like it's just yeah. us and him. It's, it's incredible. So thank you for bringing that out. Yeah, that's a beautiful, a beautiful trait that God demonstrates in our relationship with him. But we have to taste. We have to see that the Lord is good. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, well, that's wonderful. Why don't we just take a quick break here? Yep. And we'll share our contact details, and we'll be right back. I am talking to Ruth McQuarrie, and she's sharing a testimony here on the program. And the program's called By the Word of Their Testimony. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is Ruth McQuarra. Now, Ruth, I bumped into not too long ago. I think it's a matter of one or two weeks now. Yeah. And uh, we were at a prayer conference, Mm -hmm. and at this prayer conference, we did a lot of praying. We had a lot of people sharing messages, their testimonies, and also the Word of God, Mm -hmm. so that we were being fed by God through His Word, and we spent a lot of time in prayer. And one of the prayer groups we had uh, Ruth and myself happened to be in the same prayer group, and I listened to her prayer, and I'm thinking, wow, no one can pray like that unless they walk with the Lord and have a personal experience with God. So you've been Thank sharing you. your testimony, your journey, and how that's happened. Yes. But perhaps you can just mention a little bit about the prayer conference and how that went, because we've just been talking about uh, the boot camp, which mm-hmm. is a Rise Express, which is a two-week intensive from, yep. what's on, 9 in the morning till 8.30 at night? Yep. But a wonderful, wonderful experience. Although it sounds full on, it just sounds like there's so much benefit again from it that you would encourage anybody who wants to have a closer walk with the Lord and have some difficult questions, life questions answered that I guess most people ask. You know, yeah. where's God when people suffer and why is there suffering and sin if God is good? Mm-hmm. All these questions will be answered at a rise for them. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sorry, coming back to the conference, the prayer conference. The prayer conference, I feel for me, was the last thing I needed just to solidify my relationship with Christ and continue that conversation with him. Mm. Just so how did you end up going to the prayer conference? Um, my mum and dad went last year, and so they really enjoyed it. And yes. were like, hey, Ruth, you should. I was meant to go with them last year, but I guess things just happened and I wasn't mm. able to attend. But they really were like, you will really enjoy this. And I was like, okay, why not? It will be worth it. And it was really worth it I um, my routine of praying and the type of praying that I do now is just so much better and um, yeah it was just it was amazing especially the reconciliation part of it Mm. which I feel um, having that 
being able to reconcile with people will open up doors for you to be able to speak to them about God and show the love. And it is very good for the soul as well to be yes. able to have that reconciliation in you. And so just hearing people's testimonies and the preaching that they did and it was it was really good and I really yeah. appreciated it. I remember Pastor Kepsiolota from PNG, Papua New Guinea, came over and he spoke about the Ministry of Reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of people out there who are broken people who have broken relationships because com- communication is broken down. Now, this may be just between family members. Yeah. It may be between friends. It may be between work colleagues. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have that. Or it could just be that the relationship between God and them is broken down as well. Yeah. And God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, mm-hmm. and he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5. So that importance of being reconciled to God and also to one another is a very, very important thing because that's how healing can take place. Exactly, exactly. Mm. And your counseling, of course, is going to help you with that ministry of reconciliation as well. Yes, so it was good for me, but it was also, I hope it would be good for the clients that I meet Mm. and am able to use that when, when I'm helping them. Being like, reconciliation is very good and I hope that you can use it despite the terrible things that have happened yeah so it was good and um the last thing was as seven adventists we have such a calling that god has given us that is to share his message the three angels messages Mm. and um just the whole prayer conference weekend was on the spirit of elijah and that resonated with me that you know god is going to raise up a generation of people that are going to preach his word to everybody and I think that's everyone. And, you know, we have this task that we have to do, which will enable God to come quicker if we're able to do his work. And so I just, it was a really wake up call that I can't keep this to myself. I have Mm. to share with everybody around me so then more people can be saved for his kingdom. And so, yeah, that's my journey so far. And I'm loving where it's headed. Praise God, and mm. I and I love your enthusiasm as well. That you know, you you could obviously I can tell that you love the Lord, and that it means something really special and dear to you, mm. and that all your life experiences up to this point in time, it's almost like you've hit a crescendo. But you know, as good as it is today, yep. you know, there's more growth in the Lord, and it can become continuously better and better. Exactly. And by sharing it, of course, we can also grow ourselves and grow closer to the Lord because His Spirit works through us, and He gives us, equips us, and gives us the skills mm-hmm. to work on that ministry of reconciliation. Now, what I liked about the conference when I was there is there were some people who are now pastors yeah. who have gone through some wild experiences and have very secular influences at home, didn't have the benefits of godly parents like you had, mm-hmm. except that this one person had a mother that used to pray for him, but oh. the father was very, very secular and ended up in some gangs and that. And uh, his mother finally then took him to one of the islands where they were from originally mm-hmm. to get him away from those bad influences. And while he was away, his friends got arrested and thrown into prison. Yes. And so we had some wonderful testimonies of changed lives where people were reconciled back to God. And, you know, those testimonies are encouraging. And, dear listener, this is an encouragement for you wherever you may find yourself in life. Testimonies are to tell us about experiences that people have gone through that you can relate to as well, Mm -hmm. whether it's Ruth's experience or any of the others that come on this program, where God can encourage you and say, listen, it doesn't matter where you find yourself. No one is too bad 
for God not to be able to change their lives and to and to love them. Exactly. God loves you just as you are. You can come to the Lord just as you are. You don't have to try and change yourself before you come to the Lord. God has already accepted you in Jesus Christ, in the beloved. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Mm. Much more being reconciled, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, we shall be saved by his life. So, Ruth, thank you very much for coming in today and sharing your testimony. It's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me to actually hear a little bit about your life because, I mean, I only had snippets of it. Mm -hmm. And that prayer you prayed uh, touched my life. And I think it's the Spirit of God that was working on your life at the time when you were speaking those words to God Mm -hmm. on our behalf. So, dear listener, thank you for joining us today. And by the word of their testimony, it's been a delight to have your company. You're welcome to get in touch with us if you have prayer requests of your own. Even if it's just to ask that God would help you with this reconciliation for yourself or even for you with broken relationships that you may be having. You're welcome to contact us. We have prayer regularly here at 3ABN every morning and also at noon we pray and we'll be happy to add your name to this prayer list. Until we meet next time, may God continue to work in your life to transform and change it, to bless you and to draw you and to can make a beautiful connection with him is our prayer. Amen. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio. We hope you enjoy the short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. Whilst the Waldensians lived on the Italian side of the Alps, a group with similar faith lived on the French side, stretching across southern France from the Alps in the east to the Pyrenees in the west. They had the Bible in their own language, and they were a freedom-loving, industrious, and prosperous people. They were known as the Albigensians, and like other groups scattered around Europe, they remained true to God's word and resisted attempts to come under the banner of Rome. Some historians note that had this movement been allowed to grow unhindered, that the Reformation would have started in the 13th century and not the 16th, and the base of it would have been in southern France and not Germany. In the early 13th century, Pope Innocent III was reigning, though he was anything but innocent. He surveyed the landscape of Europe at the time and determined that these groups, however small, needed to be exterminated in order to preserve the church. He issued an edict that authorized the killing of all such believers. A crusade was launched that became immensely popular with the warriors from northern France as they no longer had to travel all the way to Palestine, but right here in their own country, they could attain all the same benefits. They were told that by killing, they would wash away their sins, that they were entitled to the property of those whom they killed, and that when they died, they would immediately go to heaven. All of this was promised in return for just 40 days of service. One can only imagine the type of people who made up the armies that came down here to southern France. 
year after year from 1209 to 1229 for 20 years. This crusade was waged against the Albigensians by Pope Innocent III. During the first season, the Crusaders attacked and conquered the city of Toulouse. They then made their way south in July of 1209 to the city of Beziers. As the forces were gathering around the city in large numbers, the men made a rush to attack them before they had a chance to fortify the camp. It was in vain though, and the assault was repelled. As they hurried back to the city, the Crusaders mingled with the citizens and made their way into the city before they had a chance to close the gates. There was now a problem, what would they do? There were Catholic Crusaders in the city alongside the Albigensians. Upon consulting the Papal Legate, the reply was given, kill all, kill all, the Lord will know his own. History records that blood flowed like water as everyone in the city was brutally murdered. No one was spared. Even those who sought refuge in the church were cut down. The population of the city at the time was around 15,000, but on that fateful day, historians estimate that around 60,000 people were here as people from the neighboring villages and towns had come here seeking refuge. After the killing, before they left, they set fire to the city, burning everything to the ground. Not one house was left standing. Not one person was left alive. Other towns and cities in the area would fall as well, suffering the same gruesome fate. Even though they were not a race of people, but rather a group who shared the same faith, the destruction and systematic killing has been compared in some circles to genocide. The prestige of the papacy suffered greatly during this time as news of the slaughter spread throughout Europe. The Albigensians were not totally wiped out though, and small pockets of them did remain over the centuries. Perhaps most tragic was how the propagators linked divine salvation with murder, a dangerous combination then and still today. We should never allow religious extremism to take away freedom of worship. We must never impose our beliefs on others, nor allow others to impose their beliefs on us. No matter how true one thinks they are, no one has the right to force their beliefs on anyone else. One thing that God has given to us is the freedom of choice, the freedom to love God in return for the love that He has given to us. May we be gracious in how we share our faith and our beliefs, giving other people the room to make their own decisions as they are led individually. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com.